0: The Lord is going to build our faith today, okay? Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. While we're singing that song, the Lord just kept giving me the picture. We're going to sing that song again. Don't go on to the next song yet. I hear the music changing. That's not what we're going to do. The Lord keeps giving me a picture of Israel coming out from Egypt. And in the story, they had the 10 plagues, right? But the last plague was called the Passover plague. Where the blood had to be put on the doorpost because the angel of death was going to come and to take the lives of the firstborn. And this is what got Pharaoh's attention. The one that was preventing the freedom from the people, for the people. The freedom was being prevented by the enemy. But the people of Egypt and even Pharaoh became so fearful because of the God who was the God of all of these plagues, because God was showing off. He was showing forth his power because when he's ready to bring somebody out of bondage, he doesn't bring you out as a slave. He brings you out victoriously. Now, some of you in this room, you need to know this. That you have children, you have relatives, you have friends that are in bondage. Maybe they're in a world of the Egypt in the sense of they're not living free. They're not living the life that the Lord has for them. This is a word for you today. Mothers, mother figures, people that have people that they love, that they know are not free from the enemy's grasp. But the scripture tells us, That God tells the people, go and to every Egyptian neighbor and get the gold and the resources from them and they're going to give it to you. Go to the enemy, you're going to get all of the gold. And scripture tells us that the people of Israel were laden with gold. The children... They they clothed their children in the precious garments and gold of Egypt because when they left Egypt, they left with all the riches that the enemy was trying to prevent them from having. This is a word from you. When God brings us out, we're not coming out like this uh, dragon and 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 impoverished The so lord says i bring you out in victory i bring you out um humiliating the enemy hear me some of you pray for your children or pray for people as if the enemy has greater power than you do you that is not true that is not true the enemy is scared of God Almighty. He's still scared of God Almighty. And uh, we need to declare and decree, God, you're going to bring out the people that we love and know that are in bondage. God, you're going to bring them out. And not only are you going to bring them out, they're not going to barely eke out. They're going to walk out defeating the enemy. They're going to walk out with the testimony that what the enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy, I have come out with the riches of God. I have come out spiritually wealthy, so to speak. Right now, I just want us to pray. Some of you are going to get phone calls. I just really feel this in my spirit. Some of you are going to get phone calls today from people who you haven't heard from for a long time. Maybe you've had a broken relationship. Maybe they're living a life that they shouldn't be living, and they've kind of severed communication with you. And you're going to get a phone call. You're going to get a text. You're going to get some sort of communication. And maybe you've disapproved of their life. Maybe in your, you, you have disapproved. But the Lord is saying right now, I want you to keep that bridge of love open. I want you to respond to them with my everlasting, unconditional love, because that is going to be the pathway of them being brought out. See, Israel was brought out of Egypt because of the blood because of the blood and the blood covered their home the blood covered their family and all of us are here today and live victorious because of the blood and those who are not yet in the kingdom those who are not yet living a life that is abundant and saved and they may be living abundance they are going to get there because of the blood that covers them and you all this day are going to get calls communication something And I want you to know that that is a God moment. And the Lord is sending you this word, that they're coming out of Egypt. They're coming out of Egypt. And what we start doing, because it says in scriptures, the parents laden their children with the riches. And in a sense, what you're going to start doing is start lading them, putting on the riches of God, because they're coming out of Egypt. You're going to start prophesying who they are in Christ even before they know who they are in christ you're going to prophesy who they are in christ you're going to talk to them like they are delivered they are free they are the kid of the kingdom before they actually do it and make that commitment you're going to begin to speak that to them today is a day may 12th is a day today is a day okay i want you to raise your hands i want you to receive this word Some of you are going to have to humble yourselves because maybe you've, to be honest, maybe you got on a high horse. Maybe you got on a high horse, a spiritual high horse. And the Lord says, get off the high horse. Get down there with the people. Get down there with them and, and laden them with the riches of God because they're coming out. They're coming out. They're coming out. They're coming. They may not even understand. They may not even understand what all this is about, but they're coming out. Something's going to pull them out, and you're going to, to, to and breathe life on them as they're coming out. Lord, we surrender to you. We obey you we are people of freedom and we are people who bring others into freedom through the power of the holy spirit we declare over these in this room right now that we would be your vessels that we would have your mind that we would have your words some of you you don't even need to think of what you're going to say today the Lord says, in the moment I'm going to give you the word. I'm going to give you the right word to speak. The right word to speak. And you may it may not sound all that spiritual, but the Lord is going to use it. The Lord is going to use it to unlock the hearts, the stony hearts, to soften the hearts. Lord, we declare and decree, Father, our obedience to your word this day. We are free. We are free, but we don't the freedom doesn't stop with us. The freedom is carried on to others around us. You have given us the keys of the kingdom, and we are to unlock, unlock those who are in bondage around us. Father, we declare it. We are free.
1: That name that is above every name, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what that means? That means every situation, every circumstance you're going through, Jesus is more powerful. You know, you you can speak uh, authority over your situation. You know why? Because Christ is in you, and He is more powerful than any circumstance, any situation, any illness, any worry, any anything that's weighing you down. So I want you. We're just going to do something in the spirit today. We're a crazy church, you know. But you do crazy things. I've seen you at sporting events. I've seen you running to shopping. I've seen you talking to friends about things you like. So we're going to speak the name of jesus over your situation whatever situation you're dealing with i want you to think of that and i want you to think of your situation like this and then i want you to think of jesus like this because he is more powerful he is has more authority he has more control over all things not some things, but all things. So right now, I want you on the count of three, we're just going to speak the name of Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus! Say it again. Jesus! Lord, we thank you that your name is powerful. We thank you that you have all authority. We thank you that you have all everything everything created in heaven and earth is under your hand in christ's name we ask amen you can be seated amen aren't you glad god is w- with you amen. aren't you glad you're not doing this this lap around eternity by yourself you know this is just really a training ground for us that's what this life is you know we're living a a, a training course if you want and the lord's trying to teach us to cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. Why? Because our own understanding is finite, but you're in relationship with an infinite God, a God that knows all things, beginning and end of every situation. You and I think we're so smart, you know. We go to school and we get a degree, and we're like, wow, I know so much. Well, you know so much about so little. And God says, I've forgotten more than you guys could ever even remember. And God is going to be faithful to us. You know, I love what Scripture says. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And part of the giving of the Lord to us is the emancipation of things in our life. To give us freedom. To give us liberty. To give us peace. To give us joy. And we want to just celebrate that this morning. God is so good to you. Do you know that? Even in the midst, you know, one thing I love about Scripture is that it, it speaks to our spirit being. You know, you, first and foremost, are not a human being. You know that? You're a spirit being. Because God says, I'm going to create man in my image. Man and woman, I'm going to create them in my image. And first and foremost, God is spirit. We're just stuck in a shell, right? We're stuck in a, a, a container that is, is wearing out every day. But you know what? There's a spirit man or woman in you that's living. And the Lord wants to breathe life into that. Wants to bring power into that. Wants to bring his authority into that. He wants you to walk in in, in his wisdom and his understanding. And that's what it's all about, folks. Growing in a deep understanding of what God has for you. And you know, one of the things that scripture says is that God can work all things together for the good of those that love him And are called according to his purpose. So if you love God, and if you're called according to his purpose, all things, not some, but all things work together for the good. Even difficult things, even bad things, even hard things. You know, Satan may want to try to destroy you, but you know what? Greater is he that is in you than the one that's in the world. And we thank the Lord for that. Amen?
0: Amen. And you know, I love this, this uh, church. I love you guys so much. I want to say as the mom of this house, I love you. I love you very much. I grieve over things. You know, when you have a mom's heart, the, po- the point is about a mom's heart is that it never is shut off, right? You, the mother's heart, doesn't matter how old your kids are, it doesn't matter. When you have a mom's heart, it doesn't stop, and You can go on vacation, you still have a mom's heart. You, you, you can't disconnect. I mean, you're going to be home in a moment's notice if something bad happens to that kid. That's just the way that it works. And as pastors, we have that same kind of heart. We like to try to shut it off. We say, okay, we're going to go on vacation. We're not going to talk about the church. We're not going to talk about, you know, and then we'll catch each other talking about it. Oh, you know, and, and you know, we do need breaks sometimes, and that's important. But that's the kind of heart that we have towards you. That we care about you holistically in every way. It's just not when you're here on Sundays. We care about you. And I want you to know that and be um, aware of that. That, and, and it's our desire, and it's my desire, that this is a safe house for you. This is a place where you can grow and be honest about that growth. its You don't have to pretend. You don't have to... Become something that you're not. Just be who you are and let the Lord grow you authentically. Amen. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. Amen. I'm going to talk to you about the love of God, God's love or the world's love. Who switched the price tags? It's interesting because a lot of times um, we talk about the love of God. Sometimes we don't understand actually what it does for our lives. How does it transform our lives? And it appears that many of us can be striving after the wrong kind of love for uh, to fill us. And it's important for us to remember that it's God's love that fills us. Pastor David and I have almost been married for 30 years. Amen. Going strong. We We plan on... You know, till death do us part i mean that's that's the, what we our desire is and our and our priority is, but we were talking yesterday because I said you know if if over the years I had allowed or he had allowed roots of bitterness, you know things unforgiveness to come in, we would not enjoy each other right now. Do you understand what I mean? We would not be enjoying each other, we may still be married, but not enjoying being alone with each other or going off together and, and having time together because there would always be the triggers of resentment. Resentment means to rescind. So you know if you're resentful, this has nothing to do with my, my scripture, but if you're resentful, you're rescinding the same message. The same talk is happening because you're rescinding it because you haven't dealt with that resentment. You haven't forgiven Truly. And so we were talking about that, and I thank the Lord that the Lord has sustained us over the years in our marriage. However, I do know that it's not his love that fills me, and it's not my husband's love that gives me identity, and it's not my husband's love that gives me security, but it's God's love because it's God who helped me be the wife I needed to be. It's God who helps him be the husband he needs to be. It isn't in and of myself, I couldn't do it. It would have, it would have fallen apart. Our, my personality, David's personality, our baggage, whatever you want to call it, it would have fallen apart. But because God's love was there, his power was there, his ability in us was there, that is what has caused us to be able to have the marriage that we have. And I want to, I want to emphasize that it is God's love. It's God's love that fills us. See, the world cannot love you like the Lord loves you. No one can love you like the Lord loves you. Somebody said this. I think it was Chris Vallaton who said this. I don't know if it, he got it from somebody else, but I love this uh, statement. The first greatest day of our lives is when we believe in Jesus. The second greatest day is when we re- realize Jesus believes in us. Okay, so we believe in him. But the second greatest day is when we, be- when we realize that he believes in us. He believes that we can have the abundant life that he has given access to. He believes you can do this. You don't have to fail. You can do this because I have opened the way for you to have the abundant love. And how you're going to do it, Lynn, is through my love. That's how you're going to accomplish what I've asked you to do. That's how you're going to live abundant life. You're going to do it because of my love. Now, I want to confront some thoughts that we could have. But if you are convinced you cannot have abundant life in any area of your life, so think of an area of your life, if you're convinced you cannot have abundant life in that area, you are believing the enemy's lies. Because Jesus didn't say, I have come that you might have abundant life in 75% of your life or in just certain areas. No, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. It was all encompassing 100%. Or if you you may uh, have given an area of your life over to the enemy's ways. His strategies. His schemes. Because the enemy is the one who kills, steals and destroys. So when I'm talking about life and pro-life and all of that, the enemy is, no matter what, his mission is to kill, steal, and destroy. And he'll do that in any way he can do it. He can do, he'll do it through deception. He'll do it trying to convince you to believe your circumstances, whatever. But Christ said in response to what the enemy's mission was, he said, I came that you might have life and life abundantly in every area. So I want you to think about what is the area of my life that I really don't believe I can have abundant life. I want you to think about that. Now, you say, oh, you know, a lot of times we don't do a lot of introspection or spiritual introspection. And for some of us, we've been in the church a long time. God's calling. God's calling. And he's going to say, listen to Pastor Lynn, okay? And some of us uh, have believed some things in our lives even as a Christian, that we cannot have abundant life in certain areas. We have kind of resigned to certain things. And I want to challenge that in you this day, that God's love is here for you to have abundant life. So let's talk about what God's love does. God's love gives us identity, identity. Nothing else will give you identity but God's love. That's why the world has confusion. There is more confusion in this world than ever. When there is confusion, you know it's not from the Lord. If you have confusion, you do not have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not confused. Now, you may ask, Pastor Lynn, have you ever felt confused? Absolutely. I have felt confused about a circumstance, a situation, a decision to make. What do I do? I bring it under Christ. And I say, Lord, you are not the author of confusion. And therefore, you give me your clarity. You give me your mind regarding this. The God's love gives us identity. The world... Wants to confuse our identity. The world wants to distort our identity. The world depresses people with a lack of identity. How many times have I heard people say, I don't know who I am? The fact is this. You don't know who you are if you don't know whose you are. See, the thing is, is your creator knows things about you that you do not know about yourself. He knows who you are. He knows your, the fullness of who you can be. And the world's value, that's why it's so important. I, am told, I target the world's mindset all the time in my messages because I, I believe the greatest battle for Christians is in the mind. That there are Christians and I listen to people talk and I'm thinking that's the world. That's the world. You are repeating what the world is saying. And and that's the greatest battleground of our mind. And we can begin to adopt, even even in an insidious, sneaky way from the enemy, adopt what the world says about who we are. And we have an epidemic in our culture and even globally of the world adopting what they believe their identity is. And it's distorted, it's depraved. It's confused. People are depressed and oppressed because of it. And God's love is about your identity. Your creator knows your identity. God's love reveals your true identity. And I want you to know this. Every person in this room, God's love desires the best for your life. God desires the best for your life. But some of us, people, we respond to God's love with fear, not faith. We respond to God's love as we're afraid of God knowing us. Guess what? He already does. He already knows you. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy. This is not up here, the scripture. But he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. Let me break that down for you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. See, the world wants us and the enemy wants us to fear God in an unhealthy way, so that we don't embrace the love of God, so that we don't know our identity, and that creates confusion. So Paul writes, listen, God does not give you a spirit of fear. If you have fear of God rejecting you, of God not loving you, that is not from the Lord. That is from the enemy. If you have confusion about whether God loves you or accepts you, that is not from the Lord. That is from the enemy. Listen, Christians, we are to have sound minds. We are to have sound minds. And fear can keep us from having a sound mind. But that's what the scripture says. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I give sound minds. And your identity is this, that you will have a sound mind you are not going to walk around confused or depressed or mixed up about your identity because my love gives you identity he has created you he knows you john 10:10 says this the thief comes not the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy i have come that you may have life and that it may have it more abundantly I'm going to declare to you, do not look to the world to fill you. Do not look to other people to fill fill you. Look to God's love to fill you. Women, look to God's love to fill you. There's a story in Scripture. I love the story. It kind of reminds me of some women that I've known and maybe even my own self at a time. But it's in the book of Luke. It's about a woman who was an outcast. She was an outcast because she was bleeding. And she had been bleeding for 12 years. And according to the law, a woman who was bleeding had to be outside of the society. She should not be touched. And so she has had this hemorrhaging for this long. And according to society, this woman was a failure. She was actually abandoned from having relationships. But in Luke 8, we find that this woman hears about Jesus, and she leaves her place of isolation, and she goes to find Jesus. Luke 8, verse 40. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and oppressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. See, she knew she had done, according to the law, something wrong because she should not be touching other people. And especially a holy man like Jesus In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What is this healing all about? What is it really all about? I'll tell you what it wasn't really about. It wasn't about the bleeding. It was about her identity. You see, the greatest healing in this story is not the fact that the blood stopped hemorrhaging. But was the fact that Jesus called her daughter. Brought her back into identity with him. Brought her back into family. She was no longer rejected. The world will reject you. You may look, some of you younger people, you all look prettier and firmer than the rest of us. (laughs) Believe me. Come on, you know where it's all headed. And you know, in our culture, there's all kinds of Ways to try to sustain the wrinkle, less wrinkles and no fat, and no cellulite and la, 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 la. But the truth is this, you're getting older. The truth is this, that the world accepts you for a time. Maybe if you're doing well financially. Maybe if you're doing well in your career. Maybe if you're working hard. But the world may embrace you and cheer you on and want to know you. When you're at that stage and you're feeling, I'm feeling the love, I'm feeling the love. But the truth is this about the world, that love is conditional. That love is going to leave you when you're no longer successful, when you're broken, when you're an outcast, when you have a hemorrhage and there's no answer and the world doesn't have an answer. So what does the world do when they have no answer? They isolate, they outcast, they don't know what to do. And so it's not only just about your brokenness and whatever situation you're going through. It's about loss of identity. I have no one. But God will never do that. Jesus will never do that. No matter how far we can go, no matter how junky we can have our life, no matter how many bad decisions we can make, the Lord is always going to love you. His, His love is not conditional on you. His love is not conditional on your behavior. His love is not conditional on whether you're succeeding. His love is persistent. And he says, my love identifies you. You are my daughter. You are my son. I love you. That will never be reversed. And you need to know, some of you in this room, that the love of God is not fickle towards you. But God's love is consistent. And you are to be reminded of your identity in the love of God no matter what you face. You are his daughter. You are his son. You are not to fear God. You are not to be afraid of him. His love is persistent towards you. It's complete towards you. And today, many of you, I want you to realize your identity. If you have fear. If you don't have a sound mind right now, the Lord is saying, I want to give you that sound mind. If you're saying, I feel powerless, the Lord says, you know what? I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have given that to you. I have given you power. I have given you love, and I have given you a sound mind, and right now, I just feel like if you're saying, you know, I'm struggling with maybe a sound mind regarding something. Maybe you're having a lot of confusion. Maybe you're having fear. Maybe you're having, uh, you feel powerless in a situation. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you right now. I'm just going to stop and pray. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Father, we declare the word. Our identity is in you. And you said, you know what? I am not a God that you have to fear. I am a God that you can love. And it's unconditional love I pour out on you. And right now, we release the fear. And Father, we receive the power. We receive the love. And we receive the sound mind. We will be people of peace, your peace, regarding this situation right now. In your name, amen. I just felt like I needed to do that. His love is enough, and his love is limitless, and his love gives you identity. So, his love gives you identity. That's first. Second thing is, God's love is always there. It's always present. See, God said he would never leave you or forsake you. Actually, there's a name of God. It's actually expressed first in Ezekiel, and the name is Jehovah Shammah. And this was a prophetic book. Ezekiel's a prophetic book. And when God was talking about his temple being established, he said that he would be Jehovah Shammah. Ezekiel 48, 35. And the name of the city from that day and ever after shall be the Lord is there. This is a name he is declaring himself to be. I am there. It's interesting because the term there... It has no time to it. So God is there in the past. God is there in the present. And God is there in the future. See, God's love was there in the past even if you did not realize it. Even if you were going through a broken time and you felt abandoned, God's love was there. And God's love is here for you right now. And God's love is there for you in your future before you ever get there, before you make your your way to that point in time, God's love is present for you. In the moment of your greatest pain, in the moment of your aloneness, in the moment of your tragedy, in the moment of your uncertainty, the Lord's love is there. It's there. He will not let you go. The Lord will not let you go. You know what? I love that. I love the fact that I can run, but I cannot hide. The Lord is going, chase me down. Chase me down. Chase me down because he loves. He doesn't sit back and say, well, whatever. You know, there's billions of people on this earth. that doesn't matter if Lynn loves, you know. No, he loves so persistently that his love is there and he's chasing us down. And the book of Hebrews speaks to, the book of Hebrews speaks to a people who are Jewish, the Jewish church, who were being rejected by the Jewish people because they were now the Jewish church. They believed in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and they were also rejected by the Roman Empire. So there's great persecution going on. And this is what Paul writes to Hebrews, the Hebrews, 13 verse 5. Let your character, your moral essence, your inner nature be free from the love of God, of money, from the love of money. Shun greed, be financially ethical, being content with what you have. So he's addressing the world. For he said, see, you don't have to do it like the world. You don't have to find, you don't have to get status from the world. For he has said, I will never Under any circumstance desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down, or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Don't you love it? I am not going to let you go. I don't know if you've ever had to he- hold a child. You know, we go to the boardwalk. The kids love the boardwalk. My, ki- my grandkids are in the stage of wanting to get the board w- go to the boardwalk, and you have to get the expensive um, armbands. You know what I'm talking about. And that's going to cost you, you know, a hun- couple hundred bucks and all that. And there's some rides there they want to ride, but I'm not for sure I want them to ride it. And they allow the child to ride it as long as... The parent or an adult is with them, right? There's certain rides that they want to go on. And you know which one that freaks me out the most? is the one that goes, you know, the one that's in the sky that goes across. Because there's like this skinny little bar. And all I can think about is the kids sliding under that bar. That's all I can think about. I mean, I'm a little bit obsessive about safety. And uh, now they haven't yet asked, but I know that they will. But I'm going to tell you, when they get on that ride with grandma, I will not relax my hold on them. I am not going to relax my hold on them. And I'm telling you, the Lord, your safety is of his utmost concern. And he is saying, I will not relax my hold on you. You may want to wiggle. You may want to think you can do it. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be there. My presence is going to be there. You know that I'm going to be there. I'm going to cover you, and I will not relax my hold on you. And you need to know today the Lord is not going to relax his hold on you. He is saying you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid because I will never relax my hold on you. I am there. The world wants you to think your stuff and your junk is going to protect you. Your income is going to protect you. If you do it all right, you're going to be protected. If you have enough in your 401K, if you have enough in your bank account, if you exercise and eat right, then you'll be protected. But I'm going to tell you, that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough for you. You need God's love that is there who says, I will not relax my hold on you ever because he loves you. And I want you to know, right now, He is with you. Right here, right now, Jehovah Shammah is with you. I am there. Third thing, God's love. He clothes us with Himself. He clothes us with Himself. See, when we become Christians, Scripture tells us that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? It sounds really like theological and wordy. I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. What does that mean? This It means that when God the Father looks at you, he sees Jesus' perfection. Scripture says he's, it's been imputed. Christ's holiness, Christ's purity has been imputed or credited To your life. You have been given his holiness. Not because you earned it. Not because you're good enough. Not because of something that you did. You received his holiness because of his love. Only because of his love. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He made Christ who knew no sin to judicially be sin on our behalf so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. That is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. You have been clothed with the righteousness of God. Now, Pastor David, come. I don't want you to play, okay? You're going to have to. So what I want you to do is let's, and I need one more person. Marsha, come here. Because I know Marsha will not play. Okay, so I'm going to have you stand right here. This is Father God. And this is Marsha. Okay, you're really Marsha. And I am Jesus. And what I'm going to do is when you see Marsha, when you look at Marsha, I'm going to clothe you, Marsha, with my righteousness. And when you look at Marsha you see the righteousness of God in Christ and why cuz he loves you so when God looks at you he don't reject you he doesn't say you're not good enough he doesn't say you're not holy he doesn't say you're impure he doesn't say you have sin he says you're righteous you're pure you're you have to give that back to me too <laughs> it's not a no, gift no, no, no. Okay. Well, that's when we step out of theology. (laughs) But you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, now you can give me back my jacket. Amen. I wanted to give you that visual because I want you to remember that. Because some of us experience fear because we think God's rejecting us because we're not perfect. We think, I struggle with sin. I'm still dealing with stuff. I'm not quite yet free from some things. I'm on the process, but I'm not quite yet free. This is the thing. God, the Father, because of Christ, sees that you are perfect, that you are white, you are clothed in Jesus. And it's the truth because Jesus loves you. Isaiah 61.10 tells us, And Isaiah prophesies this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You, when you leave this place, I want you to know you are clothed with Christ's righteousness. And it's because he loves you. And it's because he wants you to walk walk in victory. See, he clothes us with his righteousness, with his holiness, because that's empowering. There's a story in the Old Testament of Gideon. Gideon was one of the considered one of the judges in the book of Judges, but this, the story kind of goes like this. In the book of Judges it begins with the people in the promised land taking the land of promise, taking what God has told them is theirs. But what happens in the book, uh, the first chapter, is that they don't defeat their enemies. They're supposed to defeat their enemies, all of their enemies, but they don't. And in the, book, in the second chapter of Judges, you find out th- that the generation forgets about the God that brings them out of Egypt. See, what this, the situation is this. Here they are in their promised land, in the land when God said, you can have full and complete victory, and yet they're not in full and complete victory. And as a result of this compromise, what happens is they begin to be overtaken again by their enemies. So we get finally to Judges chapter 6 when Gideon shows up. And Gideon is a fearful young man. And he's in a wine press way down deep where wine is usually kept in cool places. And an angel of the Lord appears to him and calls him out, calls him to become a warrior and to tear down the, the, the Baal idols, the idols of Baal. And Gideon is fearful. And Gideon is fearful for a few reasons. One of the reasons is, this is his father, he's afraid of his own father because his father serves Baal. And so he's in this situation, and yet God has called him. So Gideon secretly tears down some of the the idols, some of the high places, and then they all find out, the Amalekites and the Midianites find out that it's Gideon who has done it. So all these, these powerful enemies against Gideon, and Gideon is afraid. The very fear that he was afraid of in the wine press when God had asked him to do so is now coming upon him. He is being passionately pursued by the enemy. And God does something for Gideon, according to Judges 6, to prepare him for battle. Because Gideon is going to go out in battle. And it says this, then the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. And he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abrazites to follow him. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Actually, in the Hebrew, the interpretation of that is this. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself. Listen. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with himself. The same way, the same terminology that Christ clothes us, that he puts on, we are, uh, he, he puts himself on us. He clothes Gideon so that Gideon could have victory against the enemy. And Gideon does. That's a prophetic example of what Jesus would do for all of us. That he would clothe us with himself so that when we go and fight the enemy, we have victory. You are clothed right now in Christ for victory. You are clothed in Christ for victory. But your mindset, just like in Gideon when he was clothed with the Lord, your mindset needs to change from defeat to victory. Second Corinthians 2:14 says this. Says how we have victory because of Christ. But thanks be to God for in union with Christ we are always led by God as prisoners in Christ's victory procession. Listen, we are always led by God as prisoners in Christ's victory procession. God uses us to make the knowledge about Christ spread everywhere like a sweet fragrance. This is an interesting text because actually he calls us prisoners to his victorious procession. Let me use you again. I'm Jesus again. Wow, that's cool. I'm Jesus again. And you know what? Sometimes we aren't very cooperative. But according to this text, he says, you know what? You're going to be victorious whether you like it or not. So I'm going to imprison you to my victory. Come on. We're going to be victorious. We're going to be victorious. That's what this text says. You can be seated. That's what this text says. It says that he captures us. (laughs) I love the Lord because he knows how rebellious we can be. He knows how faithless we can be. He says, you know what? I'm going to capture you. And then I'm going to force you to be victorious. I am going to force you. By being in my procession, you're going to be victorious. By being clothed with me, you're going to have to fight off that victory. I'm going to cause you to be victorious. See, he's chained us to his victory. He has chained us. He has shackled us to his victory. He wants you so much to be victorious that he says, you know what? I'm shackling you to me that I'm going to keep walking with you and you are going to be forced to have victory. Now, maybe some of us, we're going to fight God long enough that that victory is going to happen in heaven. But the Lord's desire for us is to have abundant life here. And he wants to glorify himself in your life here. And he wants to clothe you in his victory Here, he wants you to be like Gideon that says, I can't do it in myself. I'm afraid. And the Lord says, Guess what? You don't have to do it in yourself. I'm going to do it in you and through you. And I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you a sound mind. And now you're going to walk in my victory and you will overcome the enemy. Why? Because of my love. Because of my love. You are clothed in Christ, you have his identity. He is always there. You are victorious. So what do we do with the love of God? What do we do with it? 1 John 4.18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. You don't need punishment. Christ paid for your punishment. Christ took your punishment on the cross. You don't need to be punished for your sins. He took that on the cross for you. You don't need to fear. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. See, do not resist the love of God because of fear. We can love because he first loved us. There is a two-part to this. We need to receive the love of God and not be afraid. Those of us that fear, we limit the flow of God's love. We're insecure. Scripture also tells us, Jesus says this, what's the greatest commandments? What are the greatest commandments? Love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we have fear and we think that God's love is limited, not limitless, conditional rather than unconditional, we limit the love that can flow from us to the world. We think it's conditional. And the Lord says, guess what? I want my love to cast out fear in you. His love is to cast out fear. You are fully and accept, fully accepted with the Lord. Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 tells us the two greatest commandments, as I just mentioned. And we are commanded to love God and love others. And, and this is going to be the challenge. We have received God's love. It's our identity, his presence. We're clothed. But God's love does not stop with us. God's love should flow from us. And I want to give you four assignments. Four very short things of ways that you can love the world. Love people. God is asking us to unlock people. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to know Some of you limit what you believe God can do in your life or through your life. And the Lord has given every believer the keys of the kingdom. And the Lord says you're going to go around and you're going to unlock people. You have greater power than they do. You have greater power than the enemy. You know the story of India, of the light life freedom, of the children that were locked up in cages for sex trafficking in the brothels of Delhi. And how Pradeep came out, and he, and he rescued them out of those cages. He unlocked those cages and rescued them out. And actually, we sent out pictures to the supporters to this week of these beautiful, uh, these beautiful paintings that these children have done in, in their house. And, and we can't show you pictures of the, these children, but we can show you these beautiful pictures of what they've done and what they've become. Because they were unlocked, And you can unlock others because you have the keys of the kingdom. So you are to go out and unlock because of the love of God. The second thing, excavate. The the Lord gave me this word excavate. I don't really like the word excavate because that means there's a lot of stuff to get rid of before you find the gold. But the Lord is calling us as believers full of his love to pull people from the grave. To pull people from death. To pull people from hopelessness. You have the love of God that's unconditional to pull people out. And you are to do it. Ezekiel 37, this is a scripture where the Lord tells the prophet Ezekiel that he will prophesy. He will speak words of life. Ezekiel 37, when the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, "Set of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded, that I was commanded. You know what? The Lord's asking you, open your mouth. Open your mouth and breathe life into death. Some of you don't accept The death that's around you. Don't accept the spiritual death that's around you. Don't accept that people are not going to know Jesus. Don't accept it. Don't accept it. I told my kids there are certain things that we couldn't afford when they were growing up as teenagers. I can't afford you to be goth. I can't afford all those black clothes and boots. Can't afford drugs. Can't afford these are things I just can't afford. Can't afford. I, I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not going to have you do it because I can't afford it. And you know what? It was no nonsense. That's the way it was. Can't afford it. Some of us, we need to take a strong statement to say, you know what? I am not going to accept that they will never know Jesus. I will prophesy until these dry bones live. I'm going to go into the valley of dead bones and keep on prophesying. Keep on breathing life. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. Do not take no for an answer. Guess what? The enemy is not taking no for an answer. Why are you taking no for an answer? And you have greater power than the enemy does. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Quit. Believe in the report of the world and now you, through the power of God, through the love of God in your life, don't take no for an answer and breathe life. The Lord is saying to you, prophesy as I have commanded you. Prophesy to the death. Prophesy that these bones might live. You prophesy. I am waiting on you. Open up your mouth. Say the words that I have given to you. Generate. Generate. Initiate the process. Some of us, we're waiting on the world. We're saying, well, when they're ready, when they're ready, they'll come. Now... You need to initiate the process towards finding Christ. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You be strong and courageous. You create movement. You step out. You start the conversation. You initiate the life. You revitalize the situation. People are waiting. They're confused. They're blind. You reach out your hand. Generate. you have power what the enemy wants you to believe is that you are very powerless or have very little power but actually you have the greatest power in the universe dwelling in you do not be afraid of the darkness the light dispels darkness the light is more powerful than the darkness some of us are afraid we get afraid of rejection we get afraid of what people will say back to us who cares Who cares? Who cares? Of course they're going to react. Of course they're going to sometimes not like what we have to say. Because the enemy wants to keep them blind and into bondage. But if we're saying it with love, if we're saying it because we desire the best for their life. Not judgment, not condemnation, but the best for their life. We've got to initiate, generate and then we've got to perpetuate. Don't give up. Some of you, you say, Well, I have generated. Perpetuate. Don't give up. Keep on, keep it on. Don't give up. You're going to outsmart, outplay, outlast the enemy. You're going to outsmart, outplay, outlast the enemy. Don't you give up. Don't you wave the white flag. Saying, oh, I give up. The only person you're going to surrender to is Jesus. I surrender all. It's not me who lives, but Christ lives in me. That's where I surrender. And then when it comes to the enemy and the works of the devil, we are about destroying the works of the devil and people's lives so that they can be free. Worship team, come on up here. It's time for us to unlock people. It's time for us to excavate. It's time for us to generate. It's time for us to perpetuate. We have the love of God. We know who we are in Christ. We know that we are closed in Christ. We have the power of Christ in us. We have everything that we need. We can live life abundantly. You have everything that you need. Today, what I would like to do is I'd like all the ladies to stand. All the ladies. This message is for men and women, but I really feel like a lot of times the women can be the communicators, you know. I mean, I've noticed this in the world. You put a bunch of women in a room, we'll chat with each other. You put a bunch of men in the room, it could be like stone quiet. I'll say, How you doing? Did you see the game? That's about it. With us, we'll start talking about our families, our kids, our problems, our whatever, somebody else. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk. Um, and it's, there's good things about both sexes. But ladies, I really felt that you all today need to be prayed over that you're going to unlock People. You're going to excavate. You're going to pull out life. You're going to pull out the gold. You're going to see gold in people, and it'll pull it out. You're going to start the conversations. You're going to perpetuate. You're going to keep it going. How's it doing? How you doing, son? Going to church? Loving the Lord? It's going to be you. And today, I just really felt like, you know what? We're I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray the fragrance of the Spirit upon you. That you wouldn't do it in yourself, but you would do it through the love of God. Not in ourselves. Our love is limited. His love is limitless. You're going to do it through the love of God. You may ask, how are we going to build this church? You know what? I want people from that wasn't in the kingdom coming into the kingdom. That's what I want. I want people who are from darkness into light. And, yeah, there's a battle zone. Actually, I had a dream last night had a dream, I told David about this dream on the way. And the dream was that I was kind of like an owner of an apartment complex, a very big apartment complex, but it was for safety of people. So people would come, and I'd give them places, and they would be very safe. And, and one day, a person came in, a man came in, and David wasn't there, and he was a person with evil intent. I could feel he was evil intent to take me down. And I picked up a serrated knife, the kind that you would cut bread with. And in my mind, I thought, either he's going to take me down or I'm going to take him down. So I decided that I'm going to take him down. And I began to chop away at him, meaning just trying to make him afraid. And he became afraid, and he fled. And I got up this morning, and I really felt two things. I felt like that's what the Lord would have, a protection over this house, that Pastor David and I would speak the word, the sword of the spirit, that we would protect you as you grow. But I also felt like the enemy comes to kill, still and destroy, but Christ has come that we might have life and life abundantly. And we don't need to be afraid. And what I'm I'm telling you this is that all of you ladies have the sword in your hand. All of you have that knife in your hand. You do not need to be afraid. You do not need to be afraid of rejection. You don't need to be afraid of that you're not good enough. You are clothed in Christ. And you are powerful in the Holy Spirit. And right now, I want you to think of people in your life. Right now, I want you to think of people in your life that need Jesus. Maybe a friend, maybe acquaintance, maybe a co-worker, maybe a family member, maybe a child, maybe a grandchild, whoever. I want you to think right now. Let the Holy Spirit bring to your thoughts. They need Jesus. And I want to pray over that because the Lord wants to give you a gift. The Lord wants to give you that gift, bringing people, these loved ones, into his kingdom. So I'm going to pray over you, right now. And what I want you to do is, I want you to believe the Lord. I don't want. I want you to have faith and not doubt, as Jesus said. If you have faith and not doubt, you can move the mountain. You could say to this mountain, "Be now removed." I want you to have faith and not doubt. So you say to the mountain, it may seem like an impossibility to you, move, mountain, move. Jesus' word is true. Just like I shared that story about blessing, about how the Lord prophesied over her life. He would put her in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people, and she would be speaking from a pulpit, from a stand. And three years later, here she is, these open doors, open doors. God clothing her in himself to do his kingdom work. In the same way, I want you to believe and not doubt. And then we're going to pray. Holy Spirit. We welcome you, and we believe your word. We know your love is greater than the world. We know that your power is greater than the world. We know, Lord, that you have given us a sound mind. There is no confusion. There is no confusion about whether these loved ones will come to you. We know it is your will. It is not a question mark. It is your will. And Father, we say we will be your vessel. We will be people who unlock. We will be people who excavate. We will prophesy. We will speak life. We will start the conversations. We will keep the conversations going, bringing people into your kingdom. We will not be consumed with the ways of the world. We will not be consumed with the things of the world. We will not... allow the world's uh, priorities and the world's stuff and junk to clutter us so that we can't do your kingdom work. But Lord, we will do it. We will be faithful to do it, Lord. And we know, Lord, that your word is true and you will bring that which you've spoken into fulfillment. All we have to do is believe. So Father, we thank you. In your name, amen. Everybody stand, please. This is a great day. Mother's Day is always an awesome day. Prayer teams, if you can come forward. If you would like to have prayer at the end of service, we have prayer teams available to you. Please receive that prayer, okay? I know many of you have restaurant reservations, so you're out of here. It's 1158. So you have a great day. I'm just going to pray as you go. Prayer teams, please come forward. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Mother's Day. We thank you for the beautiful ladies in this house that are warriors for you. We thank you for your love. May that revelation of your love be in us. And we walk in that security that you will never let go of us. You will never release your grasp on us because your love is so faithful and consistent. We thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day with your moms.